0: The fourth episode of Drake and Adam. How's it going, everybody? Uh, So today, we are very excited to have a guest on our podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to uh, have Benjamin Bowers, who uh, I believe uh, some of you may know. And we introduced him last episode. He's here. Hey, Ben. Hello. How you doing? Um, We're excited to have him on. Um, He... um, is going to uh, ask us a few questions about our, our last two episodes. And uh, for those of you who don't know Bowers, um, Jake and I are old high school buddies, and we have maintained our friendship through college and beyond. Um, and Bowers today does describe himself as an evangelical. And he is just curious about uh, my journey and Jake's journey and has a few questions he wants to ask us today. So, we're really excited to have him have him here, and we're going to uh, turn it over to him. All right. Hey, guys. Well, first of all, let me say that I've really
1: enjoyed listening to your podcast so far. Cool. We did go to high school together, and in the time between graduating from high school and now, um, you know, we haven't lived together. We haven't really caught up as much as maybe we should have. But uh, hearing these podcasts has been really informative and interesting to hear about your guys' lives. But with that being said, uh, I do personally identify as an evangelical now. Uh, Maybe not to the, in the same degree that I was in high school. Uh, You know, I, I, my faith may have changed a little bit, but uh, I am an evangelical. But in listening to your podcast, I just had a few questions that I wanted to ask you guys in regards to uh, your current faith as it is now, or uh, lack thereof, Jake, Um, but, and and just kind of how you guys got there. So, we can just start this off. Uh, the first one is, I mean, the, I don't know how long these are going to take, but I think they're important questions yeah. that people want to hear the well, answers to. Let's go to. for it.
0: All right.
1: Okay. So, my first question is, I've noticed that both of you guys see a lot of hypocrisy and inconsistencies in the evangelical church. Um, and for one of you guys, that meant that you rejected Christianity entirely. And for the other, you still identify as a christian but you have moved away from the evangelical faith i'd like adam to uh start with this question just because it seems like he made a smaller jump and it might be a little more easy to understand than jumping straight (laughs) into jacob so adam why don't you take it away yeah uh what is the question again why did you reject evangelicalism um and still identify as a christian and was some of the reasoning behind that because of the inconsistencies or the hypocrisy in the faith?
0: Yes. The answer to the latter part of that is yes. Especially, especially I think, inconsistencies. So I think it was in, in high school that I, I first began to take my faith seriously. And the first step for me in that was that I, I was trying to figure out what, what is Christianity? What does Christian faith look like? What is it really, to try to define it and understand it so that I could believe correctly and then apply my belief to my life. But the interesting result of this was I began to feel a little bit, I began to just get the impression at our high school that people would profess certain beliefs. Um, and even when, when they seem to be correct, quote unquote, correct beliefs, those beliefs wouldn't always apply in their lives. Can you give an
1: example of of what you mean by that? Like what's just one belief that maybe people talked about believing
0: but didn't actually act on it's hard, it's hard to say from this from this distance. And I couldn't really I couldn't even at the time I couldn't really point, I think, to really specific things. But I don't know if you guys remember, my senior year, I gave this I gave this senior speech about believing what you believe. And I think I think the 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 main the main motivation for that was this feeling that if we really believed in the great commission and we really believed that that this was kind of an eternal life or death thing like faith was such a life or death thing that we wouldn't we wouldn't be wasting our time with with so much of what we were doing. we wouldn't be so just kind of like it wouldn't be so normal to be a christian in our in our community. It wouldn't be so like. It wouldn't be so boring, almost, um, that we would be doing mm-hmm. more with like every day of our lives. We would be going out and trying to like do God's will and like do radical things and try to go out and preach the gospel. And I felt like like there was this this high emphasis on like evangelizing people, um, mm-hmm. and and there was some of that that we that we did do even as students, but there seemed to be a contradiction between the beliefs we had and the level of passion that we consistently felt in our lives for living out those beliefs. Not that there was necessarily like clear examples to me at the time of hypocrisy, but there just seemed to be a disconnect between what we said we believed and the passion with which we lived that out. Okay, I think, I think Bauer is like you, you um, experienced this in my like skepticism towards spiritual emphasis week when everyone mm-hmm. got really, really hyped up about our spiritual lives and connecting to God and my question was always like, why is it only during Spiritual Emphasis Week? Why, why isn't this all the time? And I think that was the start of like the disconnect for me there.
1: Yeah, I remember that conversation. Okay, yeah. continue with your original thought.
0: Yeah, okay. So um, one of the big things was, and this, this started to become an issue at the end of high school, but especially in college, um, the issue of truth, the issue of, of our commitment to truth. So one of the big big things that was emphasized to me growing up was a commitment to being honest a commitment to believing what was true and living a life that was that was true to our beliefs. And what was what seemed contradictory to that almost even hypocritical was that a commitment to truth that I found in in the Christianity of my youth didn't always seem to operate in the Christian expression around me. Um and that that played out in when I I found that I wanted to ask certain questions and investigate certain things and to think critically about various aspects of my faith. Um, And that was often met with um, suspicion um, and even kind of like a a shunning by others around me. And that, that, that was difficult because it came from a place that, it came from a value that I thought was a very Christian value, a value in the truth, a value in honesty, value in being honest with ourselves, but people saw it as being motivated by sin or other um, Mm -hmm. questionable interests. And so I I began to see an an inconsistency there, um, which made me want to just dig deeper and be even more critical about various aspects of evangelicalism, which eventually led to seeing this disconnect between calls for social justice in the scriptures, calls to love the poor and to love others who aren't like ourselves. And I didn't see the evangelical church being very concerned with those issues, issues that seem to be central to, to Jesus's life and teachings. One big one big area that this, this came out in for me was when Ferguson erupted and the issue of Black Lives Matter and the issue of s- systemic racism. After college, I read a, a, a book with a bunch of friends of mine. Um, we did a lot of reading and discussing where we talked about, um, it was a book by James Cohn, it's called the Cross and the Lynching Tree, and it focused on the issue of white America's treatment of African Americans in this country as America's original sin, and it sort of made the argument that that white Christianity would never be able to be an authentic faith until it reckoned with its own sin, um, and that was the, the that really concretely like um, cemented in my mind this idea that at least white evangelicalism in America is is somewhat inauthentic because it doesn't even recognize sin as sin. It doesn't recognize its own sin. It's very quick to point out sins in the world and in the culture, but it doesn't recognize its own sin for what it is. And it's it's unable to be honest with itself. And that was clearly demonstrated to me in evangelicalism's response to systemic racism, to black the issues surrounding Black Lives Matter, issues of like Sexism and um suspicion of feminists among evangelicals, issues of of LGTB rights and anti-homosexuality, and of course the election of Donald Trump, as Jake so eloquently put, kind of like put the nail in the coffin of evangelicals believing one thing, saying they believe one thing, and then demonstrating that that they don't.
1: So so you decided that. The, your search for truth for what Christ or the Bible really says that we should be exemplifying, and your those questions that you were asking in search of that truth, was in a sense discouraged by what you were taught was the right Christian faith or evangelical faith, and yeah, so it, yeah, and so yeah. you left in search of maybe not your own faith but in what the actual Christianity is supposed to look like.
0: Yeah, I began to suspect that evangelicalism might not have all the answers I was looking for. So I tried to continue looking within Christianity for those answers and often found myself feeling outside of the faith um, because I felt um, more comfortable exploring those those answers outside of what seemed to be acceptable within Christianity. And I, I ultimately often found that uh, the answers... The answers I found, taking a step outside of the faith, um, were directly relevant to living that faith out authentically.
1: Okay, I think that's that's a really good way to explain kind of the where you are now, um, in Thanks. in in comparison to where we grew up. Yeah. Um, but your same search for truth, Jacob was also searching for truth as he talked about in his in his episode, and yet that search for the right answers led him to a completely different place so jacob can you talk a little bit about how some of those similar questions that adam was probably asking led you to where you are now
2: yeah um and i would say first of all that um adam and i aren't in completely different places really
0: um yeah good point we're in very similar places actually
2: a lot we're, we're in okay. very similar places, but just across a line that, <laughs> from Christianity to do not. Um, it's a thinner line than I think either of us imagined. So I echo a lot of what Adam said when he talked about kind of his his journey into where that leads him now. Um, The, the main difference for me is that there was... A separate thread going on that didn't really have anything to do with hypocrisy or inconsistency with the evangelical church. There was a thread of questioning, where I said, "Why, why, why is God even necessary for this? Why is why is a belief in the supernatural in any sense really necessary to understand um, reality as as I can see it today?" and so it wasn't necessarily seeing things I didn't like in the church that led me to disbelieve in God. It was things I didn't like in the church that led me away from evangelicalism in general, just kind of the church as an institution. But my beliefs about the supernatural, about about God, that was not really affected by my particular experiences with the church. And and so now I'm I'm an atheist. I'm I'm a post evangelical because of the stuff Adam was talking about. I'm an atheist because I don't see the necessity for there to be a god. I don't see the evidence that really makes that a persuasive that makes a persuasive claim on that to be reality. If that makes sense.
1: So you ended up as this, at the same place as Adam, and then you said. What's the point in having a god, in the long run, or at mm-hmm. all? And then that's where you decided to be an atheist.
0: Yeah, I think I think I think it's correct to say that that uh, Jake and I had a similar experience leaving evangelicalism, but then mm-hmm. Jake had an additional yeah. step where he left Christianity entirely. Yeah.
1: All right, those are some really good answers. Um, let's move on to another one that has been on my mind recently. And this one is a little a little more uh, trivial in a sense than the last one. Um, but I'm interested to know if there's anything from your former beliefs or disciplines or traditions that you came from that you that you miss in your current lives right now. like are there practices or habits that you really valued that you do miss? Um,
2: that's a really good question, Ben. Um, I think. The answer for me is that there's a fair amount of stuff that I do miss um, about the Christian tradition. Um, one of the the main things that affects my life a lot is not going to church, and I don't I don't miss the church service part of church really. Um, that's something I just I just don't really miss. Um, but the the social aspect, the the community um, that comes out of church really has played a powerful uh, part in my life for my whole life and now especially since I've been moving around my wife and I have been moving around a fair amount it's a lot harder to get plugged into uh, friend groups and communities without church I didn't realize it played that big of a role but that's one of the main things I also miss the sort of self-enforced discipline of taking time every morning to i mean at that when I was a christian it was just doing devotions but like the the time of self reflection of pausing and stopping the world and just kind of reorienting my life that that's just definitely a a discipline that um, I miss as well and I'd really you know actually like to do something similar now obviously it look different um, but yeah there's I'm, I'm still pretty used to living the Christian life. Um, it hasn't really been that long for me that I've been out of it. And some aspects of it are, are, are aspects that I'm trying to figure out how to move forward with in healthy ways that don't lose all the benefits from, from Christianity, from believing in God. But yet I have to move. I can't just go back to church just because I like the social part of it. So
1: have you replaced the social part of church with a social other, like participating in some sort of intramural league? I don't know, like...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for the past nine months, not really. I don't have very many friends, but I think that's that's due to my own lack of... Um, Effort to some extent. But yeah, um, I mean, there are places you can find community work. It's definitely a big one for me. Um, I have, you know, a fair amount of friends there. Um, and yeah, like you said, doing uh, sports or something. I haven't done a ton of that because I'm not super sporty. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> stop laughing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, and there's... Um sites like meetup where you can just get together and play games with other people and I want to play games and stuff like that. It's harder though. It it's just harder than church. Church is like built in community right there. Um Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, Adam, do you forward. relate
1: to that in any way or are there like different things that you kind of wish you still had? Or do you yeah. still have all of them because you're still a Christian?
0: Uh no. So um I think in, in, in most ways, I, I mean, I, I've, I've basically left the church, um, effectively in a similar way to Jake. Um, the only like benefit of Christianity that I still retain, um, socially speaking is, um, uh, I get to use the language a little bit more freely. Um, and I get a little bit more maybe like acceptance, because I'm using similar like frameworks and symbols, and I can throw Jesus' name in there sometimes, and people will be like, "Oh yeah, I know that guy." Um, but aside from that, I I, ex- I experience very similar um, issues regarding community as Jake, um, although with, with some significant differences. I I never um, Jake, you mentioned you mentioned that that church used to be a place where you had community. Um, and that you miss it because of the community, um, the communal aspect of church. Um, but you don't really miss the service. See, for for me, I miss church services a lot, especially like highly liturgical ones. Um, I miss the kind of wow. collective like introspection that happens in churches. I miss the beauty of liturgy. I miss the ritual of things. I, I, I became an Anglican in college because I, I loved participating in the ritual of it. Um, and I don't really miss the community aspect of it because unlike Jake, I never really felt like I belonged in church communities. I always felt this sense of outsiderness. Um, it was always an issue for me and it actually made me feel, um, it actually motivated me to, to try to find that, that, that ideal of Christian community to find that sense of belonging in Christian community, and I never really found it, and it's probably one of the big reasons why um, I ended up just stopping, stopping um, church atten- like stopping attending church um, for a while. Um, but Adam, I feel like you can be you can be like accepted by by
2: other people in church until you elaborate yeah, that's on your the thing. beliefs. I can and fly, fly undercover,
0: like, what? and then it's like, no, <laughs> yeah. you don't what? belong here. <laughs> you got to go find somewhere else. Um, <laughs> very true. Yeah. But I, I resonate with what Jake, Jake says about, I mean, just being an adult is hard. Like, making friends as an adult is really difficult. And I don't know how much of that has to do with being outside of that's, the church and how much of it has to do with just being an adult in America. Like, we're super isolated from each other.
2: That, that, that's, um, that's a good point, too. Like, just growing up. But I, I will say
0: that um, I never found, like, that ideal of Christian community that I, I was searching for in church. But after college, I often found, at least momentarily, communities that were non-Christian that I felt like uh, I, I felt a much greater sense of belonging to. Um, I worked at uh, a camp right after college up in the Rockies. And there were like no Christians there. And it was the first time that I really worked closely with and was friends with non-Christians. And there was a very, very close sense of community there that really changed the way that I perceived like non-Christians as being dangerous people. I'm using scare quotes for those who can't see me right now. Um, Because they they were awesome and authentic. And it felt like much more real than many churches I had been to. Um, just being with those people. Um, and I, I that same experience would happen over and over again as I as I sort of became more comfortable making friends in the secular world. Um, the relationships that I made had this feeling of authenticity that I found I was craving um, from church communities that I rarely found um, when I belonged in the That's church.
1: That's fascinating because... I mean, I, I re- personally, I relate with Jake in a lot of ways because hmm. the church is where I find and communicate with most of my friends currently. Yeah. And the fact that you found that thing that a lot of people love about church outside of the church, once you left the church, is is yeah. very, very interesting to me. Well, the, the thing that is, you were is, never is the fulfilled of- by that in the church. <laughs> Sorry, say that
0: again? I missed that.
1: You were ne- the church never fulfilled that aspect of like what Christianity strives to be
0: yeah and I think it, it comes back to that that issue of honesty and like being honest with yourself and self-awareness like um I, I I found outside of the church much more willingness to be real and to be authentic ironically than than I found in the church and that's just my own experience I mean other mm-hmm. people have have the opposite experience. Um,
2: Gotta say that uh, that gives me hope,
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Oh, I do have one thought, though. One thing that I do miss. One thing that I sure. do miss. Um, Go for. It. Uh, and and I don't miss it as much as as I used to. But there was kind of a sense of assurance being um, an evangelical that if I if I had a problem or like something that no one can solve, I could pray and that God would be with me and then that it would turn out all right in the end. Um, and I don't really have that assurance anymore. Um, and ultimately like I'm glad because more often than not, it forces me to really face reality, I feel, um, and not to rely on this, this um, false sense of security. At least that's how it feels to me. But I do have moments when I'm completely helpless and I find myself wanting to have that sort of divine assurance and it's not there anymore. Um, yeah. And that changes the way that um, I deal with with certain situations.
1: Yeah. Actually, that's a really good segue into my other question for you guys. Uh, and it actually has to do with the supernatural um, and how that relates to you guys now. So this question is, how do you guys make sense of the world with your new perspectives? Without a strong belief in God or the supernatural in some way, what is it that drives you to live a life of virtue? Why why do you care about the world? Why do you care about politics and people and climate and whatnot? Without God, it's, it's hard for me to understand why any of that matters. Jacob, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this
2: first, if you have some. Sure. Um, to preface this answer, this is something that I've thought about, um, a lot as I've kind of made the transition over into atheism. It's, I've, i thought a lot about like, why, why do I care about being moral? Why do I care about other people? And one thing I know for sure is that I do. I've always known that I do, and that's not come into question as I've just, chosen to not believe in God. Essentially, I feel like morally, pretty much the same person as I was as a Christian. So I, I found a quote that I liked from the Humanist magazine that deals with this, um, and I'll, I'll just read it to you. Um, and to, to preface that, humanism, you could say that I'm a humanist. I'm maybe a secular humanist. It's kind of an all-encompassing, not super helpful term, because everybody can really be a humanist, but I'm just, just gonna go with this because this is from the Humanist magazine and I feel like I need to call them what they are. So, <laughs> uh, the quote is Humanism derives the goals of life from human need and interest rather than from theological or ideological abstractions and asserts that humanity must take responsibility for its own destiny. So, I I like that quote a lot because especially it derives the goals of life from human need and interest. So it's not that I love other people because God is loving me first and that flows through me to other people. It's not because of some divine command, but rather when you look at the world, you see the needs of I mean, there, there are so many needs of uh, people to be loved in, in various ways. And I believe that I love and want to live ethically because there is a need for it. Um, and I have the capacity to do it. So in, in biology, um, one of the most interesting things for me to discover, well, one of my questions was, how does... A molecule know where to go in the human body like you have neurotransmitters that are just traveling along in the in along nerves to very specific locations and I'm like do they have little brains like how does how does that work but essentially when you get down to it fundamentally it it's about structure fitting function so why does a molecule go to a, its particular uh, location because it's built that way. It fits into where it's going. It's literally the the structure fits the, the function. And I, I feel sort of similarly about my ability to live ethically. There's a need for it. And I have the capacity to fill that need. It's like, wh- why do we climb mountains? Well, The traditional answer is because it's it's there, you climb it because it's there. Why do I love other people? Because other people need to be loved. I don't know, I still don't know how much sense that makes overall, and if that's going to define my view for the rest of my life, but I'm pretty happy with that right now. Does that make sense? You guys are, are giving me a skeptical silence here no, I kind of wondering I, what that means. I
0: think that, that that's a really interesting view. And I don't think I've ever heard that expressed. I don't think I've ever heard you express that before. Um, So I'm, I was just taking a moment to process it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely something I've kind of more recently been thinking about. I love life in general, <laughs> and I thought that's something that would change when I didn't believe in God anymore that was actually something I was scared about is that I would lose my my passion for for life because I wouldn't have a reason to love anymore but that's not at all what I found to be true in this transition it's even more the opposite I'm I feel like I'm more I'm I want to live life even more now I want to be a better person even more now hmm
1: Adam, uh, do you have a response to that?
0: Um, the way I'd like to respond to Jake is maybe to contrast his, his view on this with my own. Um, cause this is, this is an area where Jake and I are, I think substantially different in our views. Um, so your, your question, um, could you repeat your question again, just for the sake of having it in our minds? Without a belief in the
1: supernatural or in yeah. God. Yeah. What drives you to be virtuous? What drives you to live ethically?
0: I want to start answering this question by looking at what motivates people of faith so people who believe in god i don't ultimately think that it is their belief in god that motivates them to be virtuous i think fundamentally their motivations are the motivations that we all have believers or non-believers which have to do with our self-interest i think if you look carefully at at christian ethics and at the behavior of of actual christians um, or people who believe in God, you can see that even the most altruistic or or selfless acts can be linked to fulfilling some sort of selfish selfish desire. Even if that selfish desire is to fulfill a commandment or to fulfill some rule, divine rule, or even like something that they don't conceive as being a rule, but just the right thing. That that is is fundamentally a selfish thing. And so I think if we start there. And we say that everyone is operating out of selfishness and that selfishness manifests itself in different ways, then the question question is entirely different. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think that answers my question really well. It sheds light on one of your problems with Christianity is that there is a self-interest even though we think that we're being selfless. Yeah, because um, ul- ultimately it's
0: it's that reward in eternal life. I think that motivates right, ethical exactly. behavior. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So we can do
1: yeah. horrible things to ourselves for the sake of others, mm-hmm. um, even in the end potentially being martyrs and such. Mm-hmm. But we have always in the back of our mind the potential reward in being in heaven with Christ in the in the end times. You know. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, I think I think those are both some really good answers. Um, Jake, do you have any thoughts for Adam in kind of where you maybe dis- dif- disagree with him on that or agree with him?
2: I haven't really been able to process yet how what the differences and similarities are because it's like I agree with a lot of what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Um. So I think like what I'm saying is that we we always start with self interest as our main motivator what it seems to be is that you're saying that, um, we just kind of naturally love each other. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: I do have a response to you, Adam. And I, I'm glad you said what you said, because I need to clarify. I agree with you that, um, we're motivated by self-interest and I wasn't trying to say, uh, we see a need in, in the world and we're just we spontaneously want to fill that need. Um, I think there is totally a, a measure of self-interest. Um, and I think, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think as an atheist, I want I, I want the world and all aspects of it, humans, animals, the earth itself. Um, I w- want that all to, to flourish. I want the best for this world. And when I see a need and want to fulfill it, It's not a totally altruistic thing. I I want that because I want what's best for the world or I want to to better the world. And that serves my interest as well as theirs, ideally. And I have no problem with it serving my interest. It does, but it's not my interest at the
0: expense of others. I think if it's a bad thing to be self-interested, then we all have to commit suicide because we're not going to escape it any other way. Like, self-interest is fundamental to to life but I, I agree with Jake I think I think what, where ethics comes in is to me how much my self-interest is caught up in the interest of others um, even to the point of like what are the boundaries of me and my own identity am I just myself alone as an individual or does my sense of identity include Jake does it include my family does it include my community how wide is my community how inclusive is my sense of identity? And is my identity and self-interest caught up necessarily in the identity of self-interest of everyone around me? And if that's the case, then yeah. then love of others is fundamentally going to be love of the self, um, which is something that that is is what we are all always motivated by is self-love. Um, so if that self-love can extend to the love of others, then that's how I think you live ethically, which is why issues of like inclusivity are so important to me because i see that as being the foundation of, of ethical living all right
1: very good all right well those are all my questions i all think right. i am about ready to wrap it up
2: that sounds fun
1: um and at this point i think we should go <laughs> into <laughs> a few lightning questions all right so these questions are unreal <laughs> This is fun. Uh, (laughs) These questions are unrelated to the topic at hand. Um, They are just to give our audience, you know, a little more personal information about Jake and Adam. Uh, So I've got two questions for you and I'm going to shoot them out and you guys can answer them in 30 seconds or less. All right. Uh, So the first one is, what is the last movie that you guys saw or you saw? And what did you think about it?
0: Adam. Uh, Moonlight. It was fantastic. One of the best movies I've seen in years. A truly, truly beautiful film. Deserved all the awards. Go see it. It will thrill you. It will rock you to the core. Um, (laughs) It is a a intensely, (laughs) intensely suspenseful movie. Also an incredibly gentle movie movie as well surprisingly so um, and I'll just leave it at that. Jake do you have an answer? Beauty and the Beast.
2: Nailed it. <laughs> uh, okay so yeah I went to see that with my wife and it's I, I liked it just about as much as she did because Emma Watson is kind of awesome. There you go.
1: That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay second question is uh, what album did you just listen to Most recently,
2: Marion Hill, Marion Hill. Uh, They're a freaking awesome band. Uh, I've been super into them lately. Can't even really describe the genre, but it's kind of like electronic, uh, super minimalist, beat centric, uh, really good voice. That's cool. Adam?
0: Uh, I most recently listened to an album by Glass Animals titled How to Be a Human Being. And it is pretty freaking oh. groovy. Go check it out.
1: This is supposed to be unrelated questions, Adam. It's what I was listening
0: to. I'm being honest. <laughs> okay, that's good. All
1: right, that's all I've got uh, for it.
0: If you guys want to close it out, Bowers, thanks so much. Oh yeah, yeah. You're the man. Yeah, yeah. That was that was great. Thanks for taking the lead on on this and and uh, asking these questions and forcing us to think more.
2: You're welcome. It was fun. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, definitely. And I, I have an announcement uh, regarding something we're going to do for maybe our next episode, uh, one of our next couple episodes for sure. Um, we will be uh, hosting a survey of a DA alumni, and this is going to be related to our podcast, discussed in our podcast. Um, so we be, be looking for that uh, as we publish this podcast. We'll be... Mainly making taking a survey on what people believed when they were in at DA, attending DA, and what they believe now, and if that has changed at all. Should be interesting. We're looking for a lot of responses. Cool. Looking for any response at all. And uh, that's
0: all we got for tonight. (laughs) Tune in uh, next time whenever we put out our next episode. It's going to be great. Look forward to hearing from you all. Jake and Adam. Jake and Adam.
2: And uh, (laughs) Ben. And (laughs) Ben.